0: up everybody uh welcome to this special edition of the brutally speaking podcast i am your host john uh i am alone for this uh coronavirus episode um in the week or so that we've been all dealing with this coronavirus uh pandemic i have seen an industry that i love just basically be decimated tours being canceled left and right uh friends that i've known for many years uh basically out of jobs, losing lots of money, uh, and having no real idea of when their jobs will come back. Um, And as somebody who does a podcast where I talk to musicians, um, I just kind of kept thinking about what I could do in this time. Um, A lot of people have been laid off uh, in in normal life as well, quote unquote normal life. And you know, I'm starting to see people (laughs) Uh, freaking out, not knowing how they're going to survive, and on top of that, they're also um, getting bored. And so I was just trying to think of something that I could do where I could kind of give people in the industry, in the music industry, a voice to kind of talk about what they're going through, how they've been handling this, uh, some things they might have learned as a result, and just kind of offering some something to kind of Not necessarily to take your mind off it because we talk a lot about it, but basically to just kind of see a different perspective of things. Um, Maybe you don't know how band people uh, have been dealing with this personally. Uh, Maybe you aren't aware of the people who are in the touring industry, in the the behind-the-scenes roles of touring. And uh, even from a publicist perspective, uh, who now you know in talking to Amy, she is doing... A lot more work it seems. She's actually found that she is doing more as a result of this. Um, so basically I reached out to four different people. I reached out to JB from August Burns Red. We had already done a conversation uh, the day before. Basically the whole their whole tour got cancelled with Kill Switch Engage. And long and short of it, I, I figured he was kind of the one to start this whole thing. Uh, my friend Frank Finelli, who had been on the podcast a couple of times before, started to go fund me and just seemed like a, a thing I wanted to help raise awareness of. And then, as I said, Amy, uh, who owns and runs Adam Splitter PR, I deal with her every day, basically, uh, between emails and so forth. And just kind of thinking about how this has affected her, because now everybody is stationary for the most part and probably has a ton of time to do press, which is a good way to still keep bands, names, and brands of uh, Vibrant and out there uh, in this interesting time that we're we're uh, existing right now And then lastly as like, you know kind of had done everything and you'll hear me say this uh, The Acacia strain basically was one of the last bands that just kept forging on in light of all the different situations they found themselves in of how many people you could play in front of and, you know, starting out on the West Coast and basically having to make their way all the way back East and just basically riding the thing until the wheels fell off um, until they could not tour anymore because of having nowhere to play. The thing that I loved about all this is just the overwhelming sense of positivity that kept everyone going and has kept everyone going, and I think that's the message that I want to portray through all this. So, without really further ado, this is a really long episode by our standards, but it's four different chats that are about 25, 30 minutes each. Um, I'm not going to do any plugs or anything like that. Um, if you want to follow any of these people, everything's in the show notes. Uh, in the link, you'll see the link to the GoFundMe for the touring people who have lost their incomes based on all these tours being postponed and canceled. If you have some extra money, please donate to that. It'll all go back to these people who have no jobs, have no money. So um, support an industry that basically needs your help right now. Um, anything else... Like I said, every all the links will be in the show notes. Follow all these people. Thanks again to, to JB, to Frank, to Amy, and to Tom for taking the time to do this uh, in, in a very, very short amount of time and being so open and honest with everything. So without further ado, this is my conversations. We'll talk to you guys later. So uh, I have the pleasure of talking to J.B. Brewbaker of August Burns Red again, uh, except now I think we're practicing our uh, social distances thing limitations or whatever the hell that thing's called now. Yeah,
1: <laughs> we, we're we on full lockdown here at the Brewbaker residence.
0: Yeah, actually, because you guys are in Pennsylvania, which I just saw is on full on lockdown now, isn't it?
1: Yes. And I'm wondering when the rest of the nation will follow suit, because if if there are patterns to be found here it's that these things have been sort of snowballing yeah um so i kind of just assume this is going to be how it is everywhere in a couple days
0: yeah i i would imagine um so interestingly enough uh jb and i did a conversation when he was here in grand rapids on the second date of the Kill Switch and August Burns Red Spring Tour, and then a funny thing happened that I think all of us thought was maybe not as big of a deal as it was, and then turned out to be a really big deal. That's um, kind of the interesting thing about the 24-hour news cycle we live in now is, you know, there's possible overreactions to things because people are able to just spread misinformation so fast but then as we come to find out things are are more serious than we may have let on and what was interesting is in our initial talk which we cut out um there was i don't want to call it arrogance they're just very much as like i was saying is misinformation we just didn't know um I think it doesn't help that our president hasn't really steered us in the right direction either um, by some of the misinformation he was, he's been spreading the last handful of days. Uh, but all of that aside, wherever your pol- political beliefs lie or any of that kind of stuff, um, I wanted to kind of talk more about how this has affected uh, the music industry. It's a pretty big part of my life. Obviously, it's a huge part of J- uh, JB's. Um, I have a lot of friends in the industry between actually being in bands publicists, uh, sound people, merch people, the whole gamut of the music industry, basically. I know people in and have seen how this has affected them all from different facets. JB was gracious enough to come back on to kind of talk a little bit about how it has affected him and more so just him i'm not going to have him speak wholly for his band but um this is unprecedented uh the, what we're kind of going through right i can't think of a time where the music industry has lit the whole world really but i'm just focusing on the music industry has completely shut down like this um i, I care to elaborate is there any time you can think of that's yeah been this bad worldwide
1: no of course not i mean I've, i i was talking to my in-laws recently and they have never seen anything like this in their lives and they're you know pushing 70 Um, this is we're like on we're in uncharted territory right now everyone is and it's scary Um, and I definitely have a I'm like Taking everything a lot more seriously than I was even a week ago. Isn't it um, weird
0: that it's only been a week? I just saw. I yeah. think my cousin posted. Flat, uh, what is it? Th- a throwback Thursday, and it was to like fully stock shelves of toilet paper and shit. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, no, that was wow. No, that was only a week ago. Wow, it feels like so much more time has passed.
1: And I was saying to my wife today at dinner, like the the scary thing isn't, or we're all you know scared of being contained in everything and having to go into quarantine. But it's, you don't realize how much freedom we have until something like this happens. This is like really changed my perspective on a lot of things that I take for granted day to day, just being able to shake my neighbor's hand if I see him outside or, you know, there's things like that. I mean, everything is so different and it happens so fast. And uh, boy, I, I don't know when this is going to end. And, and it is scary. I don't know when I'm going to work again. You know, I don't know when I'm going to play my next, my next show.
0: So I kind of want to go back a little bit and go back to that date in Grand Rapids. Cause at that point when we had talked, um, I know I had told you, cause I had about an hour gap between when I finished my conversation with Justin to you and just the difference of an hour uh, as far as the information that was coming to you guys was pretty astounding. It went from just kind of, yeah, you know, I hear the, you know, Seattle, you know, might be canceled. Or they're, they're, I think at the time that just and I were talking, it was limited to a thousand, no no more than a thousand people. By the time mm-hmm. you and I were talking, it then was already limited to no more than groups of 250. Uh, And your Seattle date had already been canceled because of that. So yep. kind of let's pick up from when you and I finished our chat, what was kind of the, the, the behind the scenes kind of vibe going on? Cause I assume, you know, with all the green rooms and such being so close to one another that inevitably all the whole tour was probably talking about this.
1: Yeah. And we didn't, we started the tour talking about it, at the first show in Cleveland. And it was literally the only thing we talked about the entire time we were out. Like it was sickening how much we all talked about it. And it was just such a big deal that we couldn't help it. And it's, it's still kind of all that I talk about. My wife and I talk about it constantly. And it's the conversation and all the group chats that I'm in, it's all, everything is COVID-19 and, and coronavirus. Um, but it, 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 we quickly began to see, especially that day in Grand Rapids, um, the writing on the wall, you know, the, this tour was definitely going away. And the following day we played a, a show in Louisville, Kentucky. Yeah. It was a sideshow. Uh, the tour was off that day, but we had booked a sideshow and that would have been, that That was our last show of the, of the tour that night. And I remember talking with our booking agent, Dave Shapiro mm-hmm. and he, you know, we were like, what's going to happen? Do you know? And he's like, well, I'll let you know, there's a, a call with live nation and AEG happening in like five minutes. We'll, we'll find out what's happening. And you know, an hour later, he's like, yep, we're, we're postponing this. Everything's getting shut down. Like they're, they're stopping all their tours. And we're just like, oh, God. But, you know, that feels like it was a long time ago now, because <laughs> since then, it's now don't go anywhere in groups of more than 10. And to the point where now we are here in Pennsylvania on total lockdown, except for essential businesses. So, wow, it, it it's, it's snowballed quickly. And I got to say, I'm thankful that states are starting to lock everything down, because what I'm afraid is going to happen is, this is just going to trickle on and on into the summer mm-hmm. and who knows how long after that. And we're all just going to be stuck under quarantine for months if we don't just shut it down now. So I like that we're really taking extreme measures in hopes that we can still do our summer tours and have fun this summer as as a nation or as, as a world, really. there's <laughs> Missing the entire spring sucks, but missing the entire spring and summer and who knows what else Sucks a lot more. So I'm glad we're trying to nip it in the bud if that's even possible at this point.
0: So, out of curiosity, I know like it's kind of hard to really say this, maybe, but were any, was anyone on the tour, or I guess more specifically to you and your band and guys, were you guys approaching any of your setup uh, precautions in the first couple of days of the tour? Was there anything you guys were doing differently uh, at all or even thinking about like just being cognizant of? you know, just germs or touching things in general?
1: Um, I think we were washing hands like crazy. That was happening across the whole tour. Um, I, was, I wasn't I was touching uh, bathroom doors. You know, I would put my sleeve up over my hand to push a door open or use a knob, things like that. And it's funny because when we were doing pre-production for this tour, just maybe 48 hours earlier, like it wasn't even a thought. I wasn't even thinking about any of this. We were just thinking about get the show together. Let's go. Let's go play our songs and do the best we can and have a great tour. Like, I mean, like I've been saying, like you've been saying, it just it all just happened so quickly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I just didn't know, like with it being kind of omnipresent in the beginning, if you were even aware of things that you had changed about your day to day routines or habits that maybe would have changed uh, even just kind of subconsciously, maybe. But um you know a different thing and you know i know amy had kind of told me this in leading up to you and i chatting initially and i know from looking at your socials so i mean this is common knowledge but that you know your kid was out during the pre-production day um when mm-hmm. all of this started going on and you're obviously not home what does that look like in communicating with your with your wife with your family like people who are probably already concerned about you being out as it is um what does that look like from that facet
1: well my wife uh, suffers from a chronic illness and has to do, um, an immunosuppressant biologic drug. Mm Uh, she, she takes injections for her chronic illness. And so she's one of the high risk people, which, uh, she's been sick her whole life and takes these sorts of things very seriously because getting sick for her is much worse than, you know, getting sick for me. And my son was unfortunately recently diagnosed with, uh, with asthma, Mm. Um, it basically he he has trouble breathing if he gets a cold, his lungs, you know, get real junky and it, it's a mess. So, anyways, not that the coronavirus has been, uh, it doesn't seem to be affecting children as badly, but still, my wife and I definitely want to keep our son healthy during this time, especially don't want him to get the coronavirus because God knows what's going to happen to him with him having trouble breathing with a common cold, you know? Right. So, Kate, uh, Kate's my wife, she's been she was like advocating for like, let's shut it down well before it was cool. You know what I mean? Well before I thought it was like the thing to do. So she was on the cutting edge of, of taking the precautions. And, you know, uh, I know it was frustrating for her to watch a lot of people make jokes out of it and not take it seriously. And now here we are. I think everyone now understands the gravity of, of what we're dealing with.
0: Um, take me to kind of, you know, you, you find out the tour is canceled, you're, you're in Louisville, you know, what what is kind of going through all of the collective, you know, thoughts of you guys? Like, you know, because, like I said, having so many people in the industry, seeing the trickle down of, you know, people like South by Southwest got canceled. And I saw people going like, man, I just lost out on like $10,000. Um mm-hmm. And you know, just seeing the 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 dollar amount of people saying like, "I just lost this tour and this other tour, and that was gonna you know set me up for you know that was half my years you know income that I just lost" or things like that. Yeah, it's wild. Well, go ahead.
1: Yeah, go ahead.
0: No, I was just gonna say it, it's wild to kind of think like that because I think for a lot of people who aren't. Uh, in this industry, you know, you you kind of make your money, you know, working hourly wages and so forth, like myself, and you know, you kind of plan on this is what I make because this is how many hours I work and so forth, and. You know the the music industry is different because uh, you kind of you know between your per diems, your your guarantees and so forth. You know, there's you get paid a lot differently than we do, uh, or the yeah. average person. So when this tour kind of goes away, I know when we were talking initially, you were like, oh, as of right now, this this accounts for about half of our our touring income at this point. And so for it to be for postponed, sure. is is there kind of a a sense of oh man, like what <laughs> what am I gonna do? Um, or how you know how is this going to affect me and my and my livelihood right now um
1: yeah it, it's a little scary because we took three months off before this um we had toured a lot last year and we knew we had we knew what our schedule was going to be for 2020 so we blocked off this big chunk of time in the winter and i've been home for three months without without income and like i like you just said this tour was going to be about half my income for the year and now I'm going to be off for at least seven months. We have a tour in, in Europe in June. If that even happens, who knows at this point. Right. But that's seven months where we're just going to kind of be floating along and watching the old bank account decrease. And hopefully it doesn't turn into a bunch of credit card debt and stuff. I mean, I, I saved money knowing I was going to be off for three months. Right. I didn't save money knowing I was going to go off for seven months. Right. So yeah, I mean, it's stressful and it's, it's it it like you said as well it, it trickles down we have seven seven guys on our crew that tour with us who also count on this money and they're out of work and some of the guys work at uh you know venues when they're at home they 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 work as like house guys for you know clubs and theaters at home and no shows are coming through there so they like they have no work period yeah um which is scary and I I know our our sound engineer just bought a house, uh, towards the end of last year, which is, you know, it kind of took the plunge with his fiance and he's like, Oh shit, dude, how am I going to pay my mortgage? I I cannot even work local shows. And yeah, I I don't know. It's, it's going to be very tricky from a financial point of view. And, I know it's not just the music industry. It's it's a lot it's of people yeah. affected by it. Yeah. So sign that stimulus package already. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Something that was kind of interesting to me in all of this too is, and it, I don't want to say they were the first band to do this. I, obviously, they're not the first band to do this, but they're the first band to have done this, since all this happened, which is Code Orange doing their live stream uh, in an empty venue. And yeah. I don't know if you caught it. Um, I kind of felt like it was a little bit of history being made, so I, I kind of felt like I needed to see it. Um, yeah. And it was interesting. Um, sounded great, looked great, but it's weird not seeing a crowd going apeshit during a Code Orange show. It just is what it is. Um, right. And Very they, weird. they had a bunch of far back, you know, wide shots so you could see the full venue empty, and it was like... That's weird. Um, It gave it a very weird, sterile feeling to it that I didn't really (laughs) appreciate, uh, being someone that loves going to their shows and just kind of being immersed in in people. Um, Yeah. Obviously, since then, at this point now, I think Dropkick just did one yesterday or the day before. Um, There's plans of other bands doing it. I actually just saw on on, uh, Instagram, I don't know if it was a sponsored ad or not, uh, somebody's trying to do a digital concert festival uh where it's like a week long a week's worth of like bands playing online so at least people can see bands playing um and i would assume there's probably a donation page or something that goes along with that but when you see something like that does that at least kind of get the gears going of like maybe there's something else that we can do currently to try to make the best of this and and at least kind of do something a little different
1: um, yes and no, I totally get why people and bands would want to do these live streams. I don't think that's something that I see ABR doing right now because we're literally quarantined like I, I I'm not even going to go see my other bandmates like I don't know who they've been interacting with and I'm not risking it I'm not risking bringing that into my house when I come home right so it's literally not something I'm even looking into as an option right now but uh, i I understand why people are doing it. And uh, my wife and I just bought tickets to watch one of our favorite singer-songwriters, Matt Pond, play on Saturday. So he's doing like a living room concert. So we're we're going to have a little stay-at-home date night after we put our son to bed and watch <laughs> watch Matt Pond play in his living room. So I'm glad, I'm, I'm really happy that artists are doing this for the sake of all of our entertainment. I unfortunately don't foresee August Burns Red getting together Right now and given the current state of affairs and, and doing it ourselves, but who knows where we'll be in six weeks, you know,
0: something that I kind of saw uh, yesterday as well that I thought was interesting was uh, I know Mark from nothing more posted a photo of him and the rest of the guys because they're currently working on a record. Um having to Skype in with each other to to kind of work on this record because they, again, can't go to a studio, you know, all these kind of things. Like you said, everything's shut down. So they're trying to find creative ways of of uh, moving forward as a band. And I know you had kind of said earlier that you were talking about, like, you know, you're going to take advantage of this time and write something. mm mm-hmm. What what does that I mean? Obviously, I know from listening to a bunch of interviews like that, you and uh, Dustin basically bring a lot of like full song ideas to the band. Um, So are you just kind of like really inspired now that you got some extra downtime to just create something and make this time not valuable to but to make your downtime worth it in some capacity?
1: I got to say that I I do feel inspired. I haven't written in a long time because we finished writing record back in the summer so i've been off of that kind of creative mindset for many months already and now that i do have the time i'm i'm taking the mornings every day and spending a few hours just working on stuff and it's fun like i i i enjoy it and it's it makes me feel productive when there's not a whole lot else that i could be doing it's nice to know that i can still I mean, a huge part of what we do is write music, and I can still do that from home. Nothing's changed in that regard. So I I view this as an opportunity to be productive and and try to write some cool shit.
0: Do you think that, like I saw Devin (laughs) Devin Townsend already has his quarantine sessions or whatever that he's putting out, or at least a song. Um, Do you envision kind of putting out like an EP or something, or do you just plan on this being the foundation of what will probably be ideas for Whatever the next August Burns Red record or release will be.
1: I don't think what I'm working on now will be for the next August Burns Red full length. Yeah, I see it more as EP kind of stuff. And I, I'd say the same for Dustin, although he's working on stuff that I think is more in line with like proper August Burns Red songs, where I'm I'm kind of working on more of uh, like cover kind of stuff, I guess, right now.
0: Oh, okay. What does one cover <laughs> during this? <laughs> other than
1: R E M. Well, yeah, no kidding. Actually, um, I just
0: saw that that made it back into the top, I think, hundred at least on Billboard. That song or whatever.
1: Wow! For the first time wow. in like thirty it's, years. Good for R.E.M. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that song just keeps on raking the money in. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've been working on a cover of the the Westworld theme song, oh, okay. and um, I'm a big fan of that show. And I kind of started on one a long time ago, and I was like, well, I got some time. I want to like really dig into this now, and I'm. I'm spending a lot of time on it and I enjoy, uh, I I like doing like metal covers of instrumental music, I guess. So I, you know, I don't know exactly what will come of it, but I'm excited with what I've got so far and I, I'd love to record it and release it at some point. Um, But I plan on doing like we, we do Christmas songs and stuff. I'll probably work on some Christmas material and who knows what else, but there's some things I'd like to accomplish before I, get into writing, like, more proper aid songs, like, stuff for another record. There's there's some little one-off kind of things I'd like to do first.
0: Amongst all of this, um, what has this... This sounds like such a stupid question, too, so I apologize. What has going through this uh, taught you in the last week or so?
1: Hmm, that's a good question. Um, it's taught me to probably trust my wife's instinct on things, because <laughs> she is a lot more careful than I am, and oftentimes she's right. Um, so... I need to and I, and I kind of am guilty of having that whole invincibility feeling like'm I'm, I'm young and healthy and I, I just feel like nothing can can hurt me. And that's just a really illogical approach to take. and I, I pride myself in being a very logical, rational person, and I think that that's a flaw of mine that uh, has been exposed during this time. So that's definitely something I've learned. And I think I've learned to not take what I do for granted. Because I've been able to tour when we want to tour for the last fifteen plus years, and I've never experienced anything like this before, and it makes me appreciate what I have with August Burns Red, what we all have collect- collectively as a band, and appreciate it. And I and it also makes me appreciate simple things like having food to eat and. <laughs> Yeah, just the basic the basics of life because and to be able to afford to buy food because there's people that can't and they don't have work and you know the shelves are empty in a lot of places and, and and that's that's scary so you know I I I said to my wife today as I was like cleaning up my son's scraps at dinner I'm like I'm not leaving any food uneaten during this time like I'm eating everything because I don't want to waste anything because I I'm not. I'm not saying I think that we're going to run out of food as a nation or anything. I, I sincerely hope that doesn't happen. But I also understand that it's more difficult than it's ever been to go out and, and buy groceries. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, um, I don't really have too much else to ask you. I think we kind of covered the, the gamut of what I really wanted to do with this, which is a, a really kind of concise um, kind of talking about it you know, right before it happened, kind of as it was happening, and then after the fact, and kind of uh, how it's affected you, um, which I didn't know the thing about your wife, so that actually is pretty interesting to me um, to go through, because thankfully, I don't have to go through that, uh, myself or with my wife, yeah. but, um, you know, we had to send a doctor's order, actually, a doctor called our work, and the kid that we have uh, working in our department had a, I think he had a full-on heart replacement when he was a kid, um, so he straight oh, up, my- like, just can't be around any of this so he they were like you gotta go home quarantine yourself dude Like, go so that was kind of like when it really kind of hit home for me like where i started thinking about people in that position um that's why you know like i've been the the last couple of days just kind of thinking about like what has this taught me Um, and I know it's kind of a, like I said, it sounds stupid when you kind of say it because it's so broad and, and not really descript, but I think, you know, everyone kind of has learned something over this last week of going through all this. So, um, it was kind of interesting just kind of to get someone else's perspective on this, which I think is also, uh, been, interesting about this is is kind of seeing how this has affected everyone in different ways and and what they are going through and you know kind of not making it solely about yourself especially when you're not really able to hang out with anyone anymore
1: (laughs) right right this has also taught me and or shown me i guess how selfish young people can be myself included but like we're not a lot of people weren't like worried at all because oh i'm young i'm healthy this isn't going to bother me but it it it's it's our parents and our grandparents that we need to be concerned about. And that's why we need to take it seriously for their sake, you know?
0: Right. Yeah. Um, I guess where can uh, everyone find you or the band, which I mean, I don't know how active everyone's going to be on social media at this point, since that's about the only way they're able to interact with each other. But
1: Oh yeah. Everyone's been super active. The the band's at August Burns, on Instagram and on Twitter. And I'm on uh, Twitter at j b. Brewbaker, my just my name, and on Instagram at JB. Burns Red. I'm trying to post like uh, guitar playthrough videos and stuff during this downtime just to throw some content out at the world since we're all bored and spending even more time <laughs> on our phones than usual. Right.
0: Well, thank you very much for uh, agreeing to come back and do this again. Um, Definitely uh, wish it were under different circumstances that we were doing a part two. But um, like I said, I just kind of had this idea that I wanted to talk to a handful of different people throughout the facet of the music industry. And, you know, with you and I having literally kind of gone through the beginning of this together, I was like, it just seems to make sense that it it should be you that I talk to about this from a band's perspective, because... Um, I think you guys were one of the few bands that had actually started a tour, uh, that everyone was so amped on, and then it was just like, nope, <laughs> it's
1: done, right? Unfortunate timing, yeah. But well, cool, man. Thank you so much for having me on. I was happy to talk to you about it, and hopefully, we can speak again on better terms, uh, in the not so distant future.
0: Well, I'll put it out this way maybe if, uh, if this keeps going on longer and, and your record actually comes out and you're still not able to tour and, and we're all under quarantine, maybe we should all get together and just kind of do a, a, a fun like track by track, uh, rundown of, uh, of the new gar- of guardians. Um, sure. Cause I mean, that's, yeah, that's, that's cool. always fun to just kind of, you know, like, Oh, this started off as a demo and we were doing this and then someone so did something and I rearranged this and you know, whatever. I totally. always think those are fun. Um, I don't know if that's a plan for yep. something anyway, but, um, idea i've already had
1: <laughs> yeah we're into that kind of stuff for sure that'd be cool
0: yeah well uh, i'll uh, keep in touch and thanks again and uh hopefully we'll we'll be talking soon maybe in person when you're on back on tour
1: yeah that sounds good all right thanks john talk to you later man
0: so i uh s- not, i'm sitting in my safety quarantine level away from frank finelli again um you don't ever come near me <laughs> Well, I I, I can't ever give you boob cakes uh, if I can't ever get near you ever again, Um, or Shirley Temples. But um, so basically, this is going to be, you know, as I'm recording this, this is basically the second part of what I've been doing, um, trying to make sense of, you know, this pandemic that we're going through with the coronavirus uh, and how it just has decimated Really every living situation, but more focused on music, since that's A, what this podcast is based on, B, that that's what I have so many friends uh, involved in is the touring industry, and to just see how it has completely crippled uh, the music industry has been just staggering. Um, I know I said it in my conversation with JB, I know you and I have uh, privately texted and talked about this, that it's just astounding This is unprecedented. We've never seen this uh, in the music industry um, ever. And so I kind of wanted to have people on that are in various facets of the music industry. And and you were the first person I kind of had thought of to talk about it from the kind of behind the scenes being a a merch person, TM lighting person, you know, you, you wear many hats so you can kind of speak to how this affects everybody. And, Lo and behold, here you come out, you know, a day or two after I had this idea and you had a way better idea, which was to put into action a GoFundMe uh, to basically try to raise funds for people in the industry like yourself who are suddenly out of money that they were banking on uh, right before all this happened. So um, I'll kind of pose the same question I did to JB. Kind of walk me because you weren't on tour when this happened yet. Where you were just finishing a tour. We so I just finished
2: two months of tour with uh, Pennywise, straight into Earth Gang, and uh, I already did a little bit of pre-production for Black Brides, which is my next thing. That was supposed to be the next four months of my life, all over the world. Um, and then we went to Mexico. We did one show in Mexico, and I was supposed to fly right back uh, after like a two or three day break to do more pre-production for a tour that we were supposed to do within this moment. And, uh, that never happened.
0: <laughs> so what, um, what was kind of, were you hearing any rumblings of, of this happening as you were finishing or even starting like the pre-pro for the Blackville Brides thing? Was there any, I mean, cause you were out in, I think LA, right when you were doing that. Yeah. Okay. So at that point, you know, you're kind of in one of the major cities that kind of got hit pretty hard with this pretty quickly. Were were you kind of hearing of any of this while you were out there or what was kind of the vibe surrounding this when you kind of first heard about it?
2: It was pretty tame. None of us cared that much until we heard that like everybody was buying up everything of sanitizer and uh, like those face masks that everybody's wearing before anybody knew that that's like almost, it just almost doesn't matter if you have them or not. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So then we were like, well, we're about to go to Mexico. We're about to get on flights. What do we do? So we we bought a bunch of black gloves gloves to just have on our hands at all times while we were over there. uh, And like flying in the airplanes and whatnot. And uh, that was our way of dealing with it right away. But it didn't really start to kick off big time until we got back from Mexico. And we were just waiting for the pre-production to start for the actual main tour.
0: When... When this happened, because, you know, like I was saying, and as people will have heard at this point, um, I was at the Kill Switch tour doing media with JB and Justin. And it was, you know, I was kind of interested. You know, I did the one with Justin at 3 p.m. And it was, oh, you know, Seattle just went from being able to stay open for or to have venues open of a thousand people or more or less to then an hour and a half later when I talked to JB it was, now there can't be any people, gatherings of people, 250 or below, and uh, Seattle's already canceled. And that's just in a matter of an hour and a half to then, I guess, like, by the next day, so 24 hours after that, whole tour is shut down. Um Yeah. To see the... the Spreading of information like that. And, you know, I know your tour, like I think yesterday or the day before as of when we're recording, officially has been postponed. Kind of what was your experience like, you know, kind of dealing with the emails, dealing with uh, the severity of this as it's kind of unfolding in in real time?
2: So I'll sort of get into the story of the, the fundraiser that I put on as I'm telling you this, what you just asked me or answering the question you just asked me. Um. Yeah. What day is it? Thursday. <laughs> yeah, today's Thursday. The nineteenth. <laughs> so, so, so this all started one week ago exactly. Uh, with me, like a whole epidemic, just with 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 us finding out this tour was no longer happening. Uh, it's the same day that Live Nation came out with a statement that said that all tours were basically canceled under their wing. Um, because our tour is basically one of those kind of tours. Um, so I got a phone call in the early afternoon that basically said that. Everything's going to be postponed until further notice. Obviously, you know, there's something going on right now. It's all going haywire. So I said, okay, well, what can I do about it? And at that point, we were already seeing a whole bunch of festivals being canceled. We were just like kind of waiting for, like the lighting was on the wall kind of situation. Um, So I was really depressed about it for the next two days or at least day and a half. um, Because all I ever, I mean, you know me, you and I have been friends for a while. Uh, That's all I do. I don't do anything else. I tour and that's it. I, not only do I like making money because that's my job. Um, but I also just like being away. I like traveling. I like being with my friends. I like schedules. That's dumb, but (laughs) I like scheduling and like every day on tour is a schedule. Um, I, this is what I do. That's that's all I do for nine, nine to 11 months out of a year, every single year. Uh, and I've been doing that for 14 some odd years. So I was really depressed right away. Um, however, I jumped in the shower on Friday afternoon, and I had a crazy idea of doing this fundraiser, but in like a me kind of way, where uh, I made a stupid shirt with a face on it a, couple of years ago, a couple of years ago, and people called me the merch daddy because I do a lot of merch jobs and whatnot. And I sold out of those real quick, and I thought to myself, like, and this is all while I'm in the shower doing my, my heavy, heavy thinking. Um, <laughs> I was just like, I could probably sell a couple of funny designs, like not the same one as I did a couple of years ago. I probably just sell a couple of funny designs relating to this situation. And I could at least like help pay my bills for the next couple of months, even though I'm not, I'm am all right. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not hurting. And then the more I, I sat there just in the shower, I was like, well, you know what? If, if nobody's doing this right now, which nobody was, that I saw anyway, because I spent the two days of that time being depressed on Twitter and Facebook, like an idiot. <laughs> um, I, I was like, nobody's doing this shit right now. I was like, I don't know if, if the government is is trying to, but we're not the first ones they're going to look after. And I'm and t- I say that, I mean touring crews, not musicians. The musicians have their fans. The crews don't have – we don't have people listening to songs that are ours that we make money off of. People aren't buying our merch because that doesn't exist. That's not what we're there for. I was like, nobody's looking out for us. It's like, I'm going to do this to where – yeah, maybe I could pay a little bit of myself back for like four months of poor loss, but that's not the point. If this gets big enough, I could I could help a lot of a lot of my friends that I know for sure no longer have jobs. And here we are, three days later or whatever it is. Um, actually, no, I waited a day or two to compile some dab before I launched it, but here we are, a couple of days later, and we've raised over sixteen thousand dollars so far for people of the touring industry that work behind the scenes who no longer have jobs touring because all the tours on the planet, and that's a crazy thing to say, but all the tours on the planet are no longer happening. So that's where we're at right now. $16,000 in a few days we've raised for other people. And we're going to split that as evenly as possible, if not straight down the middle with anybody who has contacted contacted me so far uh, along with the list that I curated with my personal friends that I know for sure are hurting because they no longer have jobs. Uh, so yeah, so far so good.
0: What has been, and I'm totally setting you up. What has been the biggest obstacle when you set this up?
2: Um, I thought it was going to be reaching enough people to where this would really take off. And so far that I, I ate my words on that because it's, a lot of eyes have seen this so far and that's really really cool um, I I don't understand how and maybe they just don't pay attention but I don't understand how famous people do this because my socials have been literally bombarded like crazy the past couple of days and it's it's almost overwhelming because we're trying to collect all the information from the people that need help and we're trying to thank everybody I'm trying to talk to everybody and kind of help them spread the word or whatever but it's just it's just wild so I think now the biggest challenge is how do we get donations to be more, to be larger or or more of them versus the people who need the help? Because right now I can I could pay. Let's just say there's a hundred people, hundred people or so, maybe a little more, who've already emailed us, being like, "Yo, this is the deal. Uh, this is my proof that my tour was canceled. This is the this is the artist and the contact that you can hit up that tells you that I was hired." my tour is no longer happening, you know, whatever. Um, there's a lot of those. Let's say there's a hundred right now at $16,000, I could pay everybody a hundred dollars or whatever the price would be. I'm not doing the math in my head right now, but I could pay everybody $120 right now out of the list that has already hit me up and that's great. But how do we really make the impact to where I can seriously help these people chip away at some debt and I'm not helping myself anymore. I'm doing this because I'm, I'm, going to be bored out of my fucking mind if I don't do anything at all during my downtime. I'm okay for the next couple of months. I have a savings. I'm trying to help, really help people that don't have the ability to pay the bills at this moment. And I want to be able to help better. Right now I am helping and I'm aware that I'm helping, but I want to be able to help more and better. So I'm trying to reach people now that are really going to be able to hit that high profile set of eyes It's like, you know what? They're right. And And I can afford this and maybe they do Donate a thousand dollars. You know, whatever. Just how that's that's the new goal is how do I reach a platform to where I can make this really flourish to help more people excessively. Does that make sense? Yeah.
0: No. It absolutely does. You know, something that I thought was interesting, and and I don't really know. If you've actually explained what the fuck happened, but I felt like you were getting so much great, literally great publicity for this, you know, with Kerrang picking it up, with Metal Injection picking it up. Uh, I know Amy at Adam Splitter. Uh, I got an email about it. Um, I know she shared it on the the podcast or shared it on her. Uh, publicity companies, socials, and so forth. Um, and you were making really great headway. Oh, I didn't
2: see that. Where's that
0: at? <laughs> oh, uh, I'll have to show you after the fact. I know I got an email about it from Adam Splitter uh, PR. Sure. Um, but it was one of those things, like, you know, like when I'm starting to see other people in the industry starting to share this, other outlets starting to share this, I was like, holy shit, like this is starting, this groundswell is starting to gain some momentum. And then it just seemed like just as all the, the, the feel-good feelings are happening – something fucking happened and it just went away. What, what happened? Did you ever find out why it got taken down?
2: Oh, so yeah, I didn't even mention that. It's, i I try to put that out of my mind because <laughs> I was so, I was so unbelievably depressed, but I, I can't even tell you because the first day was such a whirlwind. Out Like it got big real fast and I just, I didn't know how to process it. It was like, it's like something of mine quote unquote went viral. Uh, it didn't, it, it just got, semi-popular pretty quickly but in my brain i've never felt that before there was no nothing i've ever done has gone viral or a lot of people posted like a lot, a lot a lot of people posted about it uh even when i was in the band we were we were busy and people like would always post our songs like this but never like this like i had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people contact me on the first day uh and it was very very crazy and we don't we, I, I mean i think we did 12,000 first day or something like yeah, that. Yeah, roughly. Whatever. Um, yeah, so the second day I woke up and I, I got to work on replying to a bunch of people just saying thank you and whatnot and literally out of nowhere. And I don't, I don't think I've even talked about this yet because uh, I've, I've done a couple of these just today. Uh, out of nowhere, I got an email that said, your account is suspended. We're reviewing it mm. from GoFundMe. And I can't even, like, I can't tell you The joy that I felt for 24 hours, like the unbelievable joy that I felt for that long being like, wow, this is working. And then literally the second I saw that email, I felt like I got hit by a truck. I was so fucking upset to where I panicked. Like I almost had a panic attack uh, because people were starting to hit me up being like, yo, this isn't working anymore. Like what's what happened? And I'm like trying to figure out like, okay, who can I get a hold of? I replied to the email, of course, from GoFundMe, but. I like had a fucking panic attack, and I I, I briefly broke down. Uh, I'm not going to say that I like had a fun crying fit or whatever, but I broke down. I was very upset. Um, and then I just had to sit there and wait for a response from GoFundMe on what I did wrong, how I could fix it, or anything like that. And it took a full 24 hours, just like they said it would. And the next morning, I woke up. I was literally still in my bed, and I saw an email that said, Oh, yeah, we reviewed it. You're fine. And they just put it back (laughs) Uh. Just say, like, I, I would assume, like, I I want to think that it didn't hurt us, but I, I, it hurt. It It had to have. Yeah. How can it not? Yeah. It's a long time to have something go off pretty hard and then not go off anymore because it doesn't
0: exist. Well, that was kind of what I was alluding to when I said I was setting you up for, like, what was the biggest struggle so far with this, or obstacle, because, like I said... I totally put it out of my mind. No, it's totally fine. I would (laughs) have, too, but it's one of those things where, in thinking about that, it's like you're gaining so much positivity, and like I said, you you were just gaining so much momentum so quickly, and I don't want to say it derailed it, But I definitely saw comments on some of the pages that were sharing it, and they were like, and you know, I just saw comments like, link doesn't work or whatever. And then it's like, ah, fuck, man. Like, because the unfortunate thing, and like I've learned this when stuff from, you know, my podcast ends up on news sites or whatever, you get that really good like day or so of momentum of like downloads and people clicking the links and so forth. And then after that, it just kind of turns into a slowdown of yeah, okay, now it's already gone past its uh, life expectancy at this point. And, like, when I started oh, seeing yeah. that happening, I was like, oh, no, like, this is so shitty. Like, I mean, I'm sure they're going to... I was wondering if I would see, like, not a retraction, but basically an a, addition to the story where it's like, hey, just, you know, we posted this story in case you missed it. Uh, the link wasn't working for whatever reason. It's back up now. And then getting, you know, a, another fresh set of eyes on the thing. Um, I, I haven't seen that personally, but it was just one of those things where I was kind of like, oh, man, that, that fucking sucks so bad. It didn't help.
2: <laughs> to, put it, to put it absolutely plainly, it didn't help. I would say, and I, I could be totally wrong. I think we would be over twenty thousand already if it wasn't for that la- that second day. Yeah. Uh, but hey, I mean, look, what can I do? Since then, we've gained around four thousand dollars worth of donations. So, I mean, it's not it's not dead by any means. Just today alone, we've hit over a thousand dollars in donations, and we're on the third. I mean, I don't count that second day as even being a day because it was dead. But this is technically the third full day it's been alive and um, we've done over $1,000 today. I, I've, I've said this a couple of times, not in this conversation, but I have yet to text a single person that hasn't already texted me about this. <laughs> On top of that, I have yet to send a single email to a human that I know outside of a couple of press people. So I've yet to do that. Uh, I will do it maybe tonight, maybe tomorrow. I don't know. I don't really know yet. Um, I'm still kind of trying to get a hold of everybody to thank you and all that kind of crap. I just, I I need, I need to get to that level where somebody, a big time player in our game, in our industry thinks this is a cool idea. And I don't know how to do that. I think I'm going to hit up some managers maybe uh, see who I can get on board, but that's my new goal. Because I can, I can, I can talk about this while I'm blue in the face and uh, hit up everybody, but it doesn't mean that we're going to get to a spot where we could actually like, really do some damage to the potential debt that everybody's in right now. You know what I mean? Yeah,
0: absolutely. I think uh, someone like Kevin Lyman might be a good person to reach out to. He always seems to do good with us uh, bringing a lot of awareness to, Kevin, to different causes.
2: Kevin and I spoke the other day. Yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, he, I, you know, I really don't know. Maybe, maybe he knows somebody over there. But uh, he was cc'd on the email with GoFundMe when I was trying to get this back, and I don't know if they—I I don't know if he did anything behind the scenes. But when we, him and I talked on the phone about it, he's like, "Just put me in the email and uh, tell him that we could do such and such." I'm not going to get into those details, but, um, but I, I, I love that dude, regardless of whether he did help or didn't help, or whether maybe they just knew his name or the company, whatever. Um, that is a great guy and, uh, he deserves all the praise that he gets for everything that he does. Um, and that's me with, that's without me knowing whether he had anything to do with this whatsoever, but Kevin and I have talked. Yes.
0: Fair enough. I mean, that, I mean, like I said, he, he does a lot of great charitable work and has done over the many 25 years of warp tour. So, and then some, so, um, like I said, definitely someone I know that you know that probably could help you in some regard, getting some of these bigger contacts or whatever.
2: Yeah, I'm. I'm just scared. I don't, I hate being. I'm I'm the guy right now that I don't like being. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't. Like, I don't ask anybody for anything if I can help it. You know what I mean? And right now, it's not. It's still not for me per se. It's for people of my kind in our our industry. But it's not. This, none of this. None of what I'm doing is is benefiting me in a way other than now people think I'm a nice guy or something. You know what I mean? Like, and that's, that's great. I want people to know that I'm a, a charitable person, but like, I just want, I, I hate asking for, yo, can you tell so-and-so who's clearly a a big set of eyes like, or a bit people have a, a lot of eyes on them. Can you like get them to post about this or can you get them to do this or or you, because I work for you, or I've worked for you. Can you can you retweet this, or can you donate? Like I hate being that guy, so 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 much. And that's my new. Well, I guess I'm doing this. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, kind of as we're wrapping this up, um, where can people find the link to the GoFundMe, and how long are you keeping it? All right. In? So
2: because I knew this would happen, because it's just it's just like you said before. Once once the the appeal wears off, or whatever you want to call it. It's going to die. Um, I'm ending this at the end of March. Okay. Unless by some, by some miracle, somebody like some celebrity or something gets 45, of their friends to donate $10,000 to it each. Like unless some miracle like that happens, I'm ending this at the end of March and that's it. Um, you can find me on all socials, but specifically it makes the most sense to hit me up on Instagram and Twitter, Twitter. Uh, You can find me at FrankTWWK on Instagram, and you can find me on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) You can find me on Twitter at FGFanelli, which is F-G-F-A-N-E-L-L-I. And I'm trying to answer literally everything that comes across. It's probably the most work I've ever done in my life. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But uh, all the links are on both of those socials. You're... If, you're, if you can't find it, you're absolutely blind because that's all I've been doing that, the past three days, so you can find it. Um, if you're listening to this, literally, oh, the shirt. Yeah, that I, I, I probably mentioned
0: the shirt. Yeah, you did. Uh,
2: yeah, but every $20 that's donated, you're going to get this shirt. It, I, We didn't print them because once this ended, or once this ends, they're acting as pre-orders. So once this ends, they're literally being made off of what we got donated to us. Does that make sense? So Um, once it's done, it's done. There will be no more afterwards. This is it. The second we close this thing out, that's it. So you can find the shirts that we're talking about, uh, on those links as well. It's me in a ski mask selling toilet paper, hand sanitizer, hand sanitizer, I think, uh, some kind of vitamins or whatever, and, uh, paper towels for like an exceedingly high price range in a ski mask. Like I said, it looks crazy. It looks like it's from the black market. It's very, very funny. And on the back of it, there's tour dates, which clearly this tour isn't happening, but there's tour dates with a lot of very interesting phrases pertaining to this moment in time in our lives. Uh That is very, very funny. So the shirt is absolutely worth it. It's hilarious. Um Just donate 20 bucks. You'll get one, but obviously for uh, reasons to help other people, I would hope you guys donate more so we can, uh, help our fellow friends in
0: need absolutely it's been uh really inspiring to, i mean once again i've I, you know kind of sucked your dick last time you were on the show of just you know how much you uh Jesus. how much you uh <laughs> hey you know what i got plenty of toilet paper over here to take care of that mess um anyway <laughs>
2: say say pull say pull your chain or something or yeah, like, <laughs> nah
0: nah man you suck the dick of something when you when you are you know really all about what the message or something like that that's kind of the phrase i've always had but um no i i think uh <laughs> You know, I've always said that, you know, basically you are a very inspiring person and in, in spite of a lot of the obstacles that you've had to overcome to to get as far as you have in an industry that is pretty unforgiving and doesn't give a fuck about who you are or what you've done. Um, you know, the fact that you're going out to do something like this to support an industry that, you know, you love so much and care so much, I think speaks uh, to speaks volumes about you as a person, first and foremost. And secondly, I think speaks to, um, you know, why the touring industry is is like family basically Um, because you look out after your own, even if you know, you're not able to necessarily yourself, you figure out ways to support each other. And uh, I think that's pretty much exactly what this was. When I saw it, I was like, holy shit, that makes perfect sense. Why didn't anyone else think to do this? Um, And
2: I can't stress enough how, how much this situation is just like being on a tour full of a good crew. Um, The crew that I have with black male brides right now is, it's, it's unmatched. Like everybody is very, very good at what they do. And I would take them into battle. You know what I mean? Um, I would like take them with me to anything that I would need to accomplish. Those are the kinds of people that I'm looking to work for or looking to help right now. It's people like that. Uh, this is just like a team on a tour. However, I'm now fighting for my team and my team are the people that we're getting donations for. That's basically it.
0: Well, uh, thanks again for taking the time randomly on a a Thursday night. I know there's no wrestling, uh, so I know I didn't have to compete with that. And uh, (laughs) hopefully we will uh, see you out this way or just in general, all of you uh, collectively who tour uh, in the near future once all this kind of finally boils over and uh, get back to, to doing what it is you guys do well. Guys and ladies.
2: I'll come come annoy you in Grand Rapids sooner or later. Well,
0: you know, I think you're due. I've I've made my trips to you plenty of times at this point. Yeah. (laughs) I
2: appreciate it, man. Thank you for having me as always. This is what, the third time?
0: Uh, Yeah. Yep.
2: Yeah. So everybody go listen to other times I talked about bullshit like the stupid band that I'm in or my clothing company or whatever. So you can do that on a different, (laughs) uh, you can go listen to me on a different episode about that crap.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you very much and uh, we'll be in touch soon.
2: Thank you, my man.
0: So I have the uh, pleasure this late evening, I guess, of uh, talking to Amy Shiretto of Adam Splitter PR. Um, She is kind of one of the last people I wanted to have on in this coronavirus music industry conversations, um, because like I have said habitually through this whole thing, um, this is something that's near and dear to me. The music industry, music as a whole, is something that is near and dear to all of us. uh, And to see it just be completely wiped out worldwide. Uh, on this the spectrum has not been seen, uh, not in my lifetime and and most other people's I would assume at this point. Um, so we've talked to JB from August Burns Red, so we kind of got a band's perspective. Uh, we had Frank Finelli on as well, so we kind of got a, a behind the scenes kind of person as far as merch and uh, tour managing and so forth. And I think another big part of the industry, aside from like booking agents and so forth, is is publicists. Um, so I guess kind of walk me through your experience uh, in your realm of how this all started going down for you?
3: Um, just in terms of re- the reaction to what's going on? So,
0: you know, like with uh, with JB, like when he was here in town on that tour, uh, the day before, the first date of their tour, you know, there was some talks of it. Actually, I think he was saying that they were even talking about it uh, at pre-production, which I know you were at, and yeah. was one of those things where it was basically the talk of the tour, um, whether they wanted it to be or not, it just, it just was. Um, but something that like JB and I were talking about was how in a matter of 24 hours, it went from being like, ah, you know, I I just feel like people are overreacting to this to 24 hours later, everything's shutting down and you realize the severity of it all. And you're kind of watching it all happen in real time. And, you know, I know at that point, live nation and AEG and so forth, were were kind of getting together and having a meeting, um, to, to, how they were going to handle this, but it was one of those things where I know you're probably involved in a lot of these emails too because you have a lot of clients who are out on the road you know getting ready to gear up for tours and album releases and so forth so just kind of trying to figure out how were you getting the information and how did it kind of get you know filtered you and how did it affect you
3: Oh it was like like you said you know we were talking about it because I had to go out to Lancaster um when they were doing pre production for something that for an interview that they were doing and Brent and I, Brent from ABR and JB and I were all talking about, you know, like, oh, you know, this is, you know, kinda like we were saying how, you know, oh, I hope this doesn't cause the tour to get canceled. And I was like, oh it's not I didn't think it was gonna, you know, escalate as quickly as it did. And it was literally that was Monday and the tour got postponed on Thursday. So it was really, really fast. Um, you know, we started seeing you know, hearing sorry, hearing rumblings of you know, oh this tour might get postponed or this tour might get canceled or you know this tour might get um, you know put on hold. So it was very very quick. But, you know, it was like I said, there was rumblings, but then it started. You know, it was like it was like a domino effect. Like this tour got you know, it was, as soon as one tour got postponed, then it started becoming something that really wasn't even the bands making the decisions. It sounded like it was coming down from like the government, you know what I mean? Because, Oh, you can't have gatherings. of more than I think last week it was like, you know, a hundred people. Now it's like 50, it's five, you know? So I think it was just like a, a like a domino effect. Um, and I think a lot of the decisions were really not reached easily because, you know, um, a, a lot of bands, truly make their, you know, their money, um, on merch and on the road, you know, selling merch and, 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 ticket sales, you know, and that's why, you know, you see a lot of bands that bundle their music or download with a shirt and, you know, um, a ticket to a show it's because that's how they make their money. So, um, I think it was something that happened really fast because I think a lot of bands and venues and promoters and agents were trying to avoid it because they really thought, okay, this isn't really going to happen, but it did. So it was kind of like then it was re- it was reactionary more than it was, you know, um, anything else, if that makes sense.
0: No, it totally does. And what's kind of interesting as we were kind of going through it and after because I had a couple hours after my last interview with JB to going home and then coming back to the show as all this is kind of happening, as odd as this is to to think of, because I think I was emailing you at the time like, oh, I just got done with JB. It was really good. Um <laughs> Is thinking now, in retrospect, thinking about how you're probably still fielding press requests for the tours that are, you know, that tour specifically, and, you know, tours you have coming up, albums that you're releasing, because, I mean, for those that don't know, a publicist's job is pretty much 24 hours, uh, or anyone really in the music industry, because of just no time zones really existing.
3: Uh (laughs) Yeah, there really isn't. There's Sorry. (laughs)
0: No, you're good. (laughs) But it was one of those things like thinking about how you're probably getting everything from like people from my side of things like asking you, requesting and so forth. But then you're probably getting just as many emails from managers and so forth about all of this. So like how just kind of thinking about how overwhelming it probably was with the information you were getting, you know, like, hey, is this tour going to get canceled? I'm hearing things to versus, you know. The people actually coming down, like, "Hey, I think this tour is going to get canceled. I'll let you know soon," and you're kind of caught right in the middle of all of
3: it. Yeah, you have to. It's like, you know, I always say this just about the job in general, whether it's you know pitching or dealing with a tour being canceled or uh, something going on with an artist. It's, the job is, um, you know, you're the liaison. Where your job is to get information to the media, but also to protect the artist and make sure that the artist is properly represented and or protected, you know, perception wise or information wise. So in this case, yeah, it was like, you know, we are getting, you know, emails from people asking, hey, is this still happening? Hey, am I still set? Hey, um, I'm going to pull out. I'm not going to go to the show because. I I have these concerns, these health concerns. So it was like you were dealing with the media asking about the status of the show. And then some people said, hey, I got to pull out of covering it. And then you're dealing with managers saying, hey, you know, the tour might get postponed. I mean, I was planning to go to the, you know, we handle all the bands on the bill. August Burns Red, Killswitch, and Light the Torch. So that tour was like really special for us because it was all of our bands. And, you know, we're really excited because, you know, ABR has a record coming out and we love seeing them with Killswitch. And, you know, I was going to see it that Friday night and I really needed that show. I just wanted to go because I wanted to see everybody and I was looking forward to it. And Thursday night, I was getting the rumblings that, hey, today's going to be the last. Well, um, Thursday was when they were going to say, hey, this is the day we're going to let people know. So, um, you know, getting information from all those sources you know, already having the agents say, hey, here's when we're trying to reschedule this for. Here's what we're going to do. We have to tell people, should they hold on to their tickets? We have to tell people, are they going to get a refund? So it's all that information in a very short span of time. And, you know, representing both the band and then representing the band's interest to the media is, you know, there's when there's that many questions, it can become very, you know, you want to make sure that the message and, and the information and the facts don't get lost.
0: How... I, I guess kind of the interesting thing too, as I've kind of thought about the the various aspects of the the music industry that you know I kind of wanted to hit on with this with what you're doing because like you know I think you were actually joking you're like oh my job actually I can do it from home because a lot of it is you know based through an email and so forth and phone calls so like I can be at home and kind of be quarantined but I know like you know at this point like you have a team and you know you you guys have been working really well at working together and I know that you know your team probably exist digitally uh you, you probably don't get, meet a whole lot in person to, to kind of handle a lot of things but i do know that you guys do go out quite a bit to to see your bands and so forth and i know you're you're very uh i want to say kind of motherly to a lot of the bands like you, you feel it <laughs>
3: you can say that. It's like they're on my children.
0: Fine. <laughs> I was going to say, it just seems like, you know, you're kind of very uh, involved in a lot, all the bands that you have, which is something I really enjoy, you know, about you as an individual and someone who does what you do, is that I can tell you, you like the bands that you have on your roster and you actually actively go see them and support them. You know, as this is kind of going on as a business owner in the industry, how, what are kind of some of the things you're thinking of and how you're going to have to kind of traverse this this pandemic, basically.
3: Well, you know, a lot, like you were saying, yeah, we do exist um, digitally, but Mike and Tim and I, you know, we we meet at least once a week and work together in a co-working space because, you know, we like to bounce ideas off each other. It's good for us to be in the same room. It's good for us to, you know, um, to communicate that way. We like, you know, we like being around each other. And a lot of times we'll make sure we work you know meet to work the days that we have shows because we're going to go out that night anyway so yeah we we you know we really it's very rare that one of our bands is in the New York area and we don't make the show so you know we're there to support them because that's part of the job too and to be there and to watch the crowd reaction and to see you know um, how you know maybe there's something in the live show that we can see that we can use as a pitch angle stuff like that so we always you know make sure that we're we're out to see our bands because we do love them and we want to spend time with them it's good when you're you know personally invested too um, and spending time with people because you're you know on the front lines for them but you know in these past two weeks yes we have not you know we've you know, work remotely, but we're constantly, you know, we have calls, we are talking in Slack, we're communicating, you know, in Gchat, we're constantly in touch, you know, because that's how the machine works. But, you know, uh, in the past week, I mean, I, I didn't notice any reduction in personal or team workflow. Like we're really busy setting up tons of interviews because we have, you know, bands that have records coming out. We have Trivium has a record coming out. ABR has a record coming out in this moment has a record coming out. Uh, Trivium that I say, yes, um, we have a lot of records coming out, but so we have to get people talk, you know, the media talking to the bands, uh, the bands that we have, um, not just on tour, you know, touring tour press and touring. is just part of what we do. We have, we set up so much other stuff, you know, we have to pitch premieres. You have to get the press releases that we have to get, you know, music service. We have to chase reviews. We have to chase features. We have to, you know, once those interviews are done, we have to make sure they run. We have to get the clip. We have to share the clip. We have to post the clip. We have to get it to the, to the artist, to the manager, to the label. So we're still busy we're still really super busy because so many media outlets have stepped up and have wanted to be like hey what can we do to help people discover music what can we do to help these bands so it's been very unifying while we're dealing with what we're dealing with and I keep trying to tell myself because I've seen it happen and my experience is that you know this is not like like this is not going to, you know, this is not the new normal. This is temporary. This is what we're dealing with. It's a situation that, you know, there's a lot of medical minds that work on it. They're going to get it under control, hopefully sooner than later. It might get worse before it gets better, but everything will eventually go back to normal. Some people are panicking. Oh, you know, nobody's going to want to go to shows anymore. I think people, I've been cooped up for a week and I can't wait till my next show. You know, it's not going to stop me. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, I think a lot of people are going to, you know, be really excited when they're able to start going out again. So um, it's just a matter of being really patient and just getting really creative. That's what we've been doing, you know, with just ideas for the band, you know, let's try this or let's do this. And we've had, you know, everybody from, you know, Live Nation to, you know, Hot Topic to other media outlets just being like, what can we do to help? So I'm seeing, you know, really no, no real reduction in work, you know, or things to do. Um, you know, everybody is kind of coming together and I think that's really great.
0: Kind of speaking to everyone coming together, it was kind of interesting. Obviously, uh, those who are listening to this already know that I had Frank, uh, mutual friend, uh, on to to talk about you know his thing, and basically yeah. he came up with uh, this GoFundMe that um, is trying to help raise awareness and, and funds for the touring people who aren't the musicians themselves, but all the behind the scenes workers uh, try to help them in their their time of need. And you know something that I thought was interesting. And I didn't expect it. Was one of those things where I look at my email while I'm at work, and I see you know the Nomads uh, GoFundMe thing, and I was like from Adam Splitter, and I was like, did did you team up with Frank? And like, it was just interesting. Like, you were one of the first. Uh, people aside from just friends that I know in the industry that it, it shared it, but like wh- someone who was kind of putting, you know, your work uh, face kind of on to kind of help share it and getting it out there. And then, you know, obviously seeing it on, I think it was PRP and seeing it on uh, Metal Sucks or Metal Injection and Kerrang and so forth and starting to see it get some more notoriety and some more awareness. Yeah, I was kind of
3: impressed in an interview with Frank for it too.
0: Yeah. And was one of those things that I thought it was kind of interesting to see you collectively like just kind of seeing the industry coming together to try to figure out a way to help support itself and you know you you don't always see that sometimes but I think speaks to why especially in, in I'll say rock and metal and hardcore and so forth there always seems to be this underlying sense of uh, community or family and it was kind of you know cool to see you working with that and working with him on that. Um, kind of explain a little bit more on, on how you started working with Frank on that and, and, you know, kind of your end of that kind of, or that thing.
3: Oh yeah. That was, well, that was like, it's just simple. Um, you know, Frank has tour managed bands that I work with. He was Chelsea Grin's tour manager. That's how I first met him years ago. And I remember I used to, I, I remember we, um, the band had had like a beef with alternative press. And then we had to, um, you know, the band and the magazine made up. And it was a very, you know, it was a little bit of a process. And the band went to the um, AP awards. And I remember I was like, Frank, you got to get them on stage at this point. Too. And there were, I think they were announcing Issues or something, um, Issues performance. And I was like, Frank, you got to do that. That's how we started, like, you know, we became bros cause he was like, I'll, I'll make sure I'll take care of it. You know, I was worried because it took a lot of time to get them. It was a lot of time and effort to get the band to do, you know, to the award show and to participate. And ever since then, you know, we've always stayed in touch. You know, we always text and talk and, and, you know, check in. And I see him at shows if he's tour managing, uh, who was he tour managing last time? I don't remember somebody on Warp Tour, but, um, You know, we've known each other for a while and then he, his roommate is actually somebody who used to be a, used to do interviews and she messaged me and said, Hey, you know, Frank's doing this. I was like, Oh yeah, I'll send it out. No, no problem. Yeah. Frank asked me to reach out. I was like, yeah, of course. But you know, he just kind of asked me to do it and I sent it out for him because I've known him forever just doing a bro a favor. I mean, that's like, you know, goes without saying it's like a given. So it wasn't really, um, you know, just because we've known each other and because he's a bro, I was happy to help him out. And spread the word on something he's doing that's really helpful because you know like I always think of like Jeremy from Day Remember always points out to the to the um, like the security and the venue staff. He always shouts them out. People don't realize that these are people who you know are doing a job behind the scenes. It's not glamorous. It's not sexy. You don't always see it. You don't always know it, but it exists. And a lot of these people are affected by what's going on now. People, whether it's the bartender, whether it's the barback, whether it's the security guy, whether it's you know somebody. You know, the ticket person, the person who who at the box office, all those people, you know, are paid to do those jobs. And right now they're 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 not doing those jobs. So, you know, it's really important what Frank has done just to support the people who work on the tours. is really, you know, it's really important.
0: Kind of slightly differently, but still kind of very much what we're going through Um, as of when we're recording this on the 19th uh, of March, um, Philadelphia. Uh, shut down. Or I actually think it's Pennsylvania as a whole is shut down now, quarantined, correct?
3: I think so. I mean, I'm, I, 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 I know New Jersey has been imposed, like I'm in New Jersey on the Jersey side, but they had like a, not like a kind of like a voluntary curfew, which most people are st- are sticking to. But mostly everything, yes, yeah, people are like, you know, not emergency. People are pretty much what you seem to, you know, there's the bars are closed, the malls are closed. There's not much going
0: on. Let's just say it seems like the East Coast is actually both coasts, which is weird being here in the Midwest because it seems like both coasts are actually actively doing things to keep people from going out and doing anything um between literally you know being on a 24-hour you know lockdown or really early curfews and so forth and here we are in the here i am in the midwest and we just kind of seem to be playing it by ear and seeing what's gonna happen and oh god
3: they haven't shut like the malls and stuff there i mean here it's like most restaurants are takeout only you know it's like i signed up for Eats because of it
0: (laughs) everything's takeout only uh or you know picking something up um it's like yesterday. <laughs> this sounds so stupid. I didn't even realize there's an Olive Garden next to my job, like literally across the parking lot. And I saw like two or three people unloading a shitload of boxes, and I was like, "What the fuck is that over there?" And then I just like happened to look up and saw the the Olive Garden marquee, and I was like, "Oh, <laughs> I didn't realize that was there." And I didn't think much of it, like it just was in my own headspace of being at work. But uh I don't know. I'm kind of a hermit anyway. It's like typically it's like if I'm not going to the grocery store to get something randomly or doing what I'm doing currently it's like I don't really go out and do much other than go to shows and or go to a bar so it's like right that's the only thing that kind of sucks like we walked around the city the other day and Bridget was like hey we should grab a drink and I go yeah we can't can't go yeah, anywhere
3: yeah it sucks i mean human beings are social they're social and you know this is not going to like i don't think this is going to change that in the future i think some people might be you know a little bit more careful or not want to, you know, like, uh, you know, be tactile or whatever. I, I don't think it's going to change how I am with people, you know, or who I am as a person. I think, you know, right now, we just have to get through it. You know, it's, it sucks. And I posted this on Facebook the other day. It's a piece of advice my dad always gave me. He said, if it's tempor- when I first graduated college and my first job out of college, you know, I started on like August 3rd was my first day of work, I think, or August 11th. I remember it was August and it was really hot. And I lived on the third floor of a house, which is basically a converted attic. That was my first like apartment out of college. And I moved in in August and they didn't have air conditioning. And I'm like, I'm hot when it's 60 degrees out, you know. So when it's 95, you know, I was like, oh, my God, this is miserable. What am I? I don't know how I'm going to get through this. And my dad would always tell me, you know what? In a couple weeks, it's going to be September, the end of September, and the weather's going to be breaking and you're going to be fine. You're going to deal with it. You just know it's temporary. You can get through it if you know it's temporary and there's an end in sight. And I think the human race has battled a lot of diseases and has survived. And I think there's a lot of medical minds working on this. And it's going to get contained and under control but i think people just have to remember just this quarantine and the social distancing distancing it's temporary you know so if you know it's temporary you can just deal with it that's what i think can help people deal with it just knowing that it's you know not permanent or so i'd like to think <laughs>
0: <laughs> what is something that this this past week or so has taught you that maybe you hadn't realized before
3: oh goodness yeah it's um you know, I personally like alone time. I, I have friends who hate it. <laughs> I personally love it because I'm always around people, you know, so when I have alone time I tend to be like, Oh, i love it, just me or my dog, you know, or dogs. But um I feel like the one thing I it's just that, you know, I wanted Perfect example, you know, for my laptop, you know, MacBook, the cords, you know, they tend to fray, you know, I was like, oh, shit, I got to run to the Mac. Oh, sorry. I thought I was a curse. I said, I got to run to the yeah, Mac no, store. Can. Really? Yeah, I forgot it's not terrestrial. I was like, I got to run to the Mac store and just get another, get a cord because in case it, I can't charge my computer. Da, da, da. And I was like, wait a minute. Uh, the, the Mac store, the Apple store is closed. Uh, so I had to order it, you know, and I was like, oh, and I got to get it before Thursday because I have to travel. This doesn't like, let me, you know, I was just like, the convenience of just being able to run to them all to pick up a cord was like, oh wow, shit, I got to do something else. You know, I got to order it. Even though it's like a small thing, it was just like, You know, I need to get to the post office and I was like, oh, the post office hours has changed or the bank that I got to get there before four o'clock. So it was just a matter of like shaking up my routine. And I've been trying to get back to my routine because I've I've had some personal things happen and I just wanted to get back to my routine and have my schedule around me and be comfortable in my familiar surroundings. And I can't do that right now. And that's making the other stuff that I'm dealing with a little bit harder. So, you know, that's the one thing I'm learning is that sometimes you don't have a choice and you just have to deal with it.
0: Yeah. Um, I just totally lost my train of thought.
3: Um, I do that all the time. <laughs> it's been happening
0: a lot lately, and, and I've been adopting just as a mannerism of a brain fog. And there's uh-huh. the other East Coast word I still say, fog. Fog. But it's, uh, you know, in, in thinking kind of, you know, about the fact that I feel like you're... Probably actually going to be busier right now than maybe you mm-hmm. would normally be because everyone's like, well, fuck, I'm not on a tour. So I need to do something. You know, I can't be on the road to promote this album and, and be out in, in normal press outlets or whatever, uh, or at press cycles per se. So getting kind of creative maybe with, with the press requests and stuff like that. This isn't necessarily a press request thing, but, you know, what Code Orange did the other day and what uh, Dropkick did uh, two days ago, I think, at this point, um, mm-hmm. where they're doing the live stream content. Do you do you envision with some of these new or with even one of your clients, uh, Matt, the other day, doing a live f- full guitar, you know, guitar vocal playthrough of what was it, Ascendancy? Ascendancy, yeah. So you're starting to see people coming up with interesting ways to. I don't want to say kill the boredom, but basically just do something to yeah. show fans you know to give fans some kind of entertainment in this this time of where you know this pandemic we're in and so forth are do you think that this is going to start changing some of the ways that maybe the music industry goes forward and and giving you some some interesting new fun ideas on how you can pitch uh different you know publicity type things to bands and, and people on your roster?
3: Um, yeah, because you have to get creative. You ha- you know they're, you have to kind of improvise. You know I don't think it's going to replace you know people going to shows or touring. but I do think that might be something you know if the band is only doing you know a markets or primary markets they're not doing a lot of secondary or tertiary markets on a tour you know, maybe they'll do something where they'll maybe live stream some more so that more fans can watch. I know that when I like, you know, go to a show on my Facebook Live, you know, some of my friends that are all over and like, oh, I can't make the show my or it's not coming to my city. They're like, oh, thanks for posting this because now I get to feel like I'm there. And I think it's, uh, you know, what they're vibing off is oftentimes the crowd, you know. So I think, you know, maybe once the crowd element is back in, I think maybe fans will want to do maybe some more streams of their shows. But I think right now it's just interesting to see it in a new you know, in a new way, like Code Orange playing in an empty venue. That has to be really just, wow. Sometimes I think you just have to tune in to see what that's like, because while you can envision it and be like, whoa, what is that like? You really kind of have to really watch it to, to really understand it. So um, I think this is a, a creative way for people to do something in a new way, you know, and it's like improvisation. And um, I think once we see what works and what did not then we might be able to incorporate them into the future. When bands are back out on the road,
0: yeah, it was just interesting to kind of think of if not that these are going to replace traditional avenues of you know going to shows and playing them and so forth, but just the way that bands are now trying to be thinking more outside the box of what they're doing to still stay connected with fans, especially in this digital age where basically content is king, and mm-hmm. it's one of those where you know, like I said, it's it's kind of your job to kind of help get these things done and come up with new fresh ideas. So, you know, like I, I was pleasantly surprised when I woke up the other morning and was like, Oh, here's Matt Heafy doing all of his And I was like, Holy shit. I didn't even know that was going to be a thing. Like,
3: yeah, he gets really clever with some of the stuff that he does on, you know, his Twitch empire, as I like to call it, (laughs) you know, really interesting, you know, and it's, it, he's actually doing some press around. It. I mean, he's doing something with TechCrunch. He's, he's doing did something with Forbes, just about how he's managed to turn his his Twitch feed into something that like has made him, you know, visible on a whole other level. You know, he's always got good ideas that way. He's always been a creative person that way. But Yeah, just some bands are really, you know, hunkering down and 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 coming up with ways to really stay connected with their fans. I think some are probably you know more creative about it than others but i think you know we're gonna see what works just through who who's doing what and paying attention
0: what are you most looking forward to what band are you most looking forward to seeing once all of this uh this blows over
3: oh goodness i really want to see the kill switch and august burns red light the torch tour because i was really looking forward to that from the minute i heard that it was an idea you know especially since you know howard jones being on the road again with you know the guys from Killswitch. You know it. It and you know just because we love you know ABR so much too, and we worked with Killswitch Forever. It just wants. It, I just wanted to see them all together because it's like one big family. Uh, so I'm excited about that one when that one gets rescheduled. Um, I'm looking forward to Trivium and Lamb of God this summer um you know i want to see what happens with i prevail because they were going to tour with five finger death punch so and in this moment black bell brides all the tours that we were uh, we had a lot of high profile tours that were going to happen all around the same time so just looking forward to when they all happen around the same time in a few months okay
0: Yeah, it was kind of surreal, Uh, you know, because thanks to Josh from Switch's tech, um, I was side stage basically just bullshitting with Josh most of the Switch's set. And someone was like, oh, how was Switch's set? I was like, "Uh, I remember it being good. I don't know. I was talking with Josh most of the
3: (laughs) night. I love his wife, Erin. She's one of my favorite people.
0: And uh, I haven't met her yet, but she seems pretty rad based on uh, his socials and so forth. Yeah, she's awesome. It was funny, though, because uh, Howard was basically sitting on the steps uh, next to Josh's like workspace watching Killswitch's set the whole time, and I was like, this is interesting like if uh-huh. you would have told me back in like 2003 or 4 like end of heartache era that it's like oh you're gonna be standing next to howard watching kill switch play you know end of heartache songs <laughs> and he's just gonna be standing next to you watching and i'd be like fuck out of here yeah, it was yeah. just like very surreal to watch him watch the whole set uh until yeah. it was his turn to go out there and do uh signal fire and uh what was it end of heartache i believe um and then interestingly. Interestingly enough, watching Jesse then watch Howard sing for a song
3: its very, um, you know, it's sort of it's just, you know, it's very full circle, I guess is the word I would describe it, because, you know, it's two different, very, two different, very different eras, two very different singers and two very different lyricists, but one very specific sound and one very specific band. So it's interesting. And that's what I was really looking forward to seeing as well. So I just have to be a little more patient. <laughs>
0: And uh, lastly, where can people find you and/or Adam Splitter online?
3: Oh, pretty much you can look at my Instagram, which is @fredo777, or our all of our socials are the same. It would be Adam Splitter PR. So it's on Facebook, it's on Instagram, we're on Twitter, we're you know at our website, and you can usually find me from there pretty easily. I don't hide online. <laughs> i make myself too visible
0: (laughs) well thank you so much for uh taking the time to kind of do this with me for for a little bit and uh i was looking forward to uh sonic temple i i don't know if that's gonna happen i'm i'm fully hoping it does
3: we can always keep our fingers crossed
0: well thanks again and uh i'm sure we'll be talk to you probably in the morning
3: (laughs) yeah of course yeah well thanks for having me again and like i said if you need anything else just let me know
0: awesome thank you very much
3: all right i will talk to you tomorrow okay
0: yeah, we we tried
4: our hardest for sure.
0: <laughs> and it's one of those that, like, as I kind of kept thinking about it, the, as I kept doing each interview and the progression that I did, I was like, I feel like that's the last part of this, this series of, of conversations that I, I just, I feel like needs to kind of bookend it where it's like, so we got everyone and I already have a band person, but... Everyone pretty much is like, yeah, you know, I knew this was kind of going on. And then, you know, we started it and then it got canceled right away. Whereas you guys are the ones that were like, fuck it, man. We're, we're figuring out a way to go through this and, and keep going. And we're not going to stop. Like if it's like, okay, if it's a matter of you can't have more than 500 people, like, okay, cool. We'll figure that out. Oh, now it's 200 people. All right, we're going to a VFW hall. If it's less than that, okay, like we're figuring it out. And then it's like, no, you guys got to like, can't be on the road now. So I was just like... Man, I think that I think that's that's the way that I have to end this is you know, reaching <laughs> out to you and kind of being like let's let's spend like 20, 25 minutes or so, uh, just kind of like going through all this and and kind of you know wrapping it up where it's like you you guys I think are the epitome of what everyone is already saying which is you know we're just we're not going to back down and we're just going to keep going because uh, it's all we know how to do in the industry.
4: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was definitely the least fun outside of the stage (laughs) experience i've had in this (laughs) band, uh just because it was like it kind of it was one of those like shitty things where uh, okay well first off let me back up it made it so much worse that we were on like the west coast whenever they started hitting the fan and four out of well three out of five of us live on the far east coast one in the midwest and one in california so it was kind of just like this oh God, we've got to get all the way back across the country thing. <laughs> um, so that, yeah. yeah, it sucked. And it was one of those like weird things where you kind of like, you just go with the flow and then halfway through the drive, you find out that the show's canceled and it's like, okay, shit. Uh, what are we going to do now? <laughs> like I was honestly finding out more info from like random people commenting on Instagram and Facebook than we had. And it was one of those things where it's like, oh fuck, somebody just said that this show's canceled hold on dog like that's our that's our manager dog um really like, hey what's happening please help uh so yeah it was just like a i don't know it sucked but we tried our best to one do it because we like to play and two because we knew that we were going to be fucked financially we were like all right well it's like i mean this is what we do so we're going to keep playing as long as we can one because we love it too because we really need to make sure that we can survive a little bit longer you know
0: yeah um so I guess, you know, with that already started, I'll, I'll do the intro now uh, for those that, uh, you know, have already been listening to the other three chats, because this is going to end uh, this quadrilogy of uh, of uh, conversations, basically, about the music industry and how the coronavirus has affected it. Um, and basically, you know, kind of as I was talking to Tom this morning or sending him a text when I was editing everything, I just kind of realized that there's this overwhelmingly positive uh, vibe uh, effervescing from all of the conversations with everybody. And I just kept thinking about the Acacia Strain guys and what they went through. They were the epitome of doing it until literally being told you could not do it anymore and was one of those things where I was like, I I, I need to have Tom on. I need to kind of talk to him about it because, you know, where a lot of bins and a lot of tours were preemptively postponed um, or in the situation of like JB from August Burns Red and that Switch tour canceled basically or postponed within two days of starting the tour. Um, you guys, you know, as you just said, we're all the way out on the West coast where this is kind of hitting first uh, and basically kind of just finding out you're getting stranded basically out on on a <laughs> completely different coast than where you needed to be. And it was really interesting to just see you guys adapt on the fly and come up with a solution, even if it was temporary, temporary for the time being of how you were going to keep going on. So um i don 't necessarily have the routing in front of me, and i don 't have the dates one hundred percent off the top of my head but I mean at that point you guys were you guys had already played a show or two, or were you are just on your way out when all of the news of this started to break um
4: we had i mean I think it was kind of like lingering like just some info being fed around, but it was like not a major concern when the tour started uh at least at least not as far as I was aware I know like Europe and like Asia were very strongly affected by everything, but I don't think it had really started to affect the States that much. It was just kind of like a, Hey, yeah, we know that this is going on, but there's no real reason to worry other than just being like normally cautious. Um, so like, when we started the tour, it was just like, okay, sick, we're going on tour. And then like a couple days into it, you start hearing a little more a week or week into it, you hear more. And then, Like, right at the two-week mark is when everything, like, really went crazy. Uh, And it it was kind of insane how quick it just, like, evolved. Like, I think it was about three days between when it wasn't a big concern to, oh, fuck, I think the tour is getting canceled. And then, for sure, like, after five days of it getting more and more aggressive as far as, like, with the media and, I guess, the virus itself, it was like, okay, yeah, fuck, that was a pretty quick turnaround. I guess we're going home. It was a very, like, it started off with nothing being a concern, and then out of nowhere, it was like, holy shit, okay, this happened quick.
0: Kind of, you know, something that was interesting is, uh, you know, as you were saying a couple minutes ago, um, you know, you guys all live in predominantly the East Coast with one living out in the uh, West Coast and mm-hmm. some, one here in the Midwest. Kind of walked me through kind of being in the van and, and you know, seemingly kind of getting a handle on like, okay, I think we've got... An ulterior plan at least to start getting us back home with doing these vfw hall shows you know how were you is it kind of like you guys reaching out to old contacts in certain areas on the way like going like hey is there any way we can get this show going are you working with your booking agent like kind of how were you guys able to so quickly come up with these solutions to the to the problem of trying to get home and still play some shows
4: um, well the first thing that we had to get through was the chain reaction show, like just figuring out how to play that because um so we had a I think two days off. Yeah, it was two days off between Austin, Texas and um the chain reaction show. So we had drove like completely overnight, went to um Zach from the Ghost Inside's house because he lives in Vegas. Uh so luckily we were like at least kind of in like a comfortable like positive atmosphere hanging out with Zach and just kind of like fucking around Vegas. Um When we got like a lot of the shitty news of like, Hey, I think these three shows are canceled. Hey, this fourth one might be canceled, but you've got to have a like hard cap on it. So the first thing was figuring out chain because the chain reaction is legendary and that's one of our favorite places to play. So we were like, okay, we are not missing chain somehow. So I think it was sold out and then we had to break it into two shows because It needed to be under 250 people. So we did two sets that day. Um, And that was, I think, the venue who were like, hey, let's make this work. Um, It was kind of like, as far as that show and then us getting back home, it was kind of like a culmination of every option that you said. (laughs) Like reaching out to friends, um, the booking agent helping us. And so it was like, we knew that we were playing Chain. And then that day, we kind of found out that the next three shows were canceled and then it kind of became this thing of, uh, do we go all the way up to Seattle, which was super, like, on the fence about having the show? And then, ironically, like, as we were figuring that out, I think it got canceled. Um, so it was kind of like, okay, this is going to hell. We have to figure out a way to get back. And uh, the day that we had played Chain, or actually, it might have been the day that we were at Zach's house. Either way, I had gotten a message from uh, Xavier from Bamakara saying, like, hey, I have a buddy who can put on a show for you in Vegas. And it turned out that we had ended up working with him previously. Like, we had played a show at his VFW at Knock Loose, and it was fucking awesome. So we just kind of were like, yeah, whatever we could do. We had Xavier get in contact with our booking agent, who is also, I believe, Mama Car's booking agent, get in contact with the Vegas guy, and then try to route out three or four more shows to at least get us back to Des Moines so that we could drop Griffin off. And the whole time that we were doing those, like, go-back-home shows, we knew that it was going to be as a four-piece, because we had left uh, Devin in California, just because it made the most sense. It was like, well, all this travel is super sketchy. Uh, Devin lives in California, so fuck it, we'll play as a four-piece for a few shows. Like, It's kind of like an emergency scenario. I mean, the the Acacia Strand was a four-piece for years, so it was like, all right, let's just do that. And then we ended up playing the Vegas show, which was one of the coolest experiences to me, just because it, like, Kind of showed me in front of me how awesome our fans are because we had less than 24 hours of notice of even putting the show on, and 140 people paid came during the middle of a pandemic, and all the staff worked for free just to help us out and give us the most money. So that was like the coolest thing that could have happened. And then the next morning on the way to Colorado for the Denver show, all three other routing shows to get home got canceled. So we just went right from Vegas to Des Moines to drop Griffin off. And then we all just kept going with the drive.
0: (laughs) Kind of, I know this is kind of shitty, but it's like, you know, kind of what is, you know, you drop Griffin off in in Des Moines and then you got a long ass ride home. (laughs) (laughs) What is, what is the vibe uh, in the van? What is, what are some of the things you guys are talking about in the Uh, van on that drive?
4: I mean, It was such a long fucking drive that we all just lost our minds for sure. (laughs) Hardcore bunk (laughs) madness going on where you're all just like messing around, making weird noises. Um, I don't know. We, I think we kept it as positive as we could. Um, It's definitely a bit of a blow to morale to be like, Oh cool. This tour was two weeks into it and it was fucking awesome. And now we're going home and we've all got to figure out like finances and just the fact that we're not, playing shows that we were looking forward to you know so it was i mean morale is definitely not at its highest point but i think given the circumstances we tried to keep ourselves as like in check as we could i mean there's always going to be more tours so it sucks that this tour was like in the chitter but we not like we were worried that we'd ever tour again you know so just, just kind of dealt with it as well as we could and tried to keep our chin up you know
0: what um you know those shows that you guys played as a four piece I mean, as you said, you, you, you know, acacia Strain started off kind of as a four piece and has played as a four piece for a while. What was it like? Cause I mean, Devin is the lead guitar player typically, uh, at least as far as <laughs> I can recall in my head, seeing you guys live, he usually plays the lead stuff. So how was it? <laughs> well, I was going to say like, I'm usually on Devin's side. So it's like with you guys moving, I don't see you playing as much lead as I do him as obviously as I see him playing it. Yeah, um,
4: I'm only mess around. We split it up a pretty good amount. He does, um... <laughs> So to just to go where I think you're going with that, uh, he does most of the leads on the older stuff, like the continent, okay. deadwalk era stuff. Everything from Wormwood on, I do all the leads just because it's a lot more like textural stuff. Like I don't do like okay. shredding solos, whereas he does. Uh, okay, but it ends up with me playing most of the leads for anything newer, and then um, but for. A lot like this set, we had done a lot of older stuff just because it was kind of it was more of a hardcore tour. So we tried to make it be more of like older ass beaters, and then whatever the newer like the harder newer songs, like the the ones that are would fit like a hardcore tour vibe more than like the doomier stuff. You know, so everything was pretty just like riff heavy for this set, so it wasn't too much of an adjustment to do the uh, the four piece thing. It was. was kind of just me memorizing some rhythms that i hadn't played in a while um but i think we only ended up cutting one song from our normal set list and i mean we still even played like the newer songs and there was a few songs where like i kind of was able to work it out where i would play a lead just as the intro to the riff and then when the breakdown fully kicks in just stop playing the lead and go back to the rhythm just so it's kind of like you get a little lead reference and it's kind of in your head and then but it still sounds full with all of us playing the same thing, you
0: know. Yeah, I just didn't know, you know, with I know, you know, that you're proficient with programming different stuff. Obviously when we did our last conversation about uh it comes in waves and so forth. And mm-hmm. I didn't know if maybe preemptively like you knew that this was gonna happen. It's like, okay, let's get, you know, Devin's rhythms or Devin's leads on a track and just run a track. So at least it, it's there, but it's not, you know, someone playing it.
4: Yeah, we uh we one I don't think we would ever do that just cause that's like as players, we're really against that. Like I understand bands that do it. Um, but we're not a band that I think needs to have it. And I think part of the, like the, the magic of the case strain is that we still don't play to a click or anything like that. Like we like no samples, no click. Um, I mean, we don't even have in-ears at the moment. We're actually going to be moving to in-ears soon, and that's, like, the most technology-based thing that we're going to be doing. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, we, like, we don't play with click, so we couldn't even do that if we wanted to, like, have a track going, because there would be no click for it to sync up with. But, yeah, that wasn't really, like, a couple people asked if we would do that, and I was just like, nah, I'll just play rhythm. Like, I put, I had a second power amp feeding to another cab on the other side of the stage, so it was... Still having like both sides of the stage with rhythm guitars and just kind of roughed it, you know, like just made it be bare bones acacia string, which be- like the benefit of us is that most of our leads are just atmosphere, you know, so it's like you don't lose a ton by just playing all rhythms. There's definitely not the full blown acacia string experience, but it didn't. I don't. I don't think there was as much missing as I expected it to be.
0: Well, it almost sounds like you. You know, one of the few bands I can kind of think of was uh, Hatebreed. Oh fuck, Uh, Ozfest. One of the early Ozfests. Um, They were down to just. uh, Oh, why am I totally like? Oh, Sean. Uh, when Sean was, like, the only guitar player, mm-hmm. and he basically did something kind of the same. He had, like, an AB switch, so, like, when he would do, like, the breakdowns or whatever, the same rhythm track would go and play on the other side of the stage on the cabs over there yeah. to give it that fuller sound that everyone was used to, but it was just him singularly playing, and it, that's actually one of the few instances I can think of in a band of this style that's actually done that before and, and had not been weird yeah. <laughs> as far as how it sounds live
4: yeah I uh I wish I had like an ABY switch um it would have been kind of hard for me to do that just because the like only having my Kemper with me like if I had some pedals too I could have done like an ABY with like another head or something but uh I kind of worked around it by doing anytime that it was like a, a part where it was just me playing before the whole band kicked in I had made a second like Guitar patch on my Kemper, it was lowered seven dB in volume, so that it kind of mimicked the idea of having only one guy playing it. And then once it was like, okay, the whole band's kicking in, I would hit my normal patch. And it was full volume, uh, so it still had that little bit of like push and pull that, like that you sonically have when one guitar drops out and it's just a soloed guitar, and then boom, everybody's in at once. So I couldn't do the A B Y thing like Sean, but I had the closest thing that I could mock up on a couple hours notice. <laughs> on a couple hours, know? <laughs> <yeah.
0: laughs> um, You know, something that was kind of interesting too in in thinking about this and doing a couple of these conversations, um, I was trying to, you know, put myself you know following you guys in in real time and following everyone now in real time because that's the the luxury i guess that social media has afforded us is that we can kind of be with you 24 hours a day as long as you're posting something somewhere <laughs> we can kind of see it and get an idea of of how everyone's doing yeah and you know as i kind of have said the the overlying theme of of everyone i've talked to has been kind of this odd sense of positivity in a very unnatural set of circumstances that has affected them affected everyone not only just you know here's my job but financially like you know talking with jb from august burns red you know he was like yeah we took three months off after touring real heavy the year before because we knew that this was going to be a big tour and we needed to kind of you know draw as much as we could for some of these rooms and he goes so we had already planned to have like three months off not four five (laughs) six maybe seven yeah and you know making the comment that you know the tour that they were on that was accounting for about half of his income this year and thinking about that you know for you guys who tour so much you know i'm sure this this sucks because I, I'm trying to remember if your tour is postponed or if you're going to make up the remaining dates that were left on the tour. Cause I think you had about a week and a half left or so. Uh,
4: we had we had three weeks actually.
0: Three weeks. Okay. Yeah. All right. Like I said, so many tours you're just like, Oh, I don't remember who had what anymore. <laughs> yeah.
4: <laughs> I think, Um. I mean, as far as the, like the group positivity thing, I think that kind of just naturally comes from we're all in this shit show together, you know, like, kind of like the Misery Loves Company thing where when it all sucks, but everybody's going through it, you could kind of laugh about it a little bit and be like, oh yeah, I mean, how's your shitty day going? Oh, my shitty day sucks, but haha, we're laughing about it, you know? So I think it was a little bit of that as far as like the, the, everybody having a positive spin on it. I think it's just, you don't feel as alone as if something were to happen where like, I don't know, one of like one of us got sick or got hurt and we had to go home where it would be much more like, fuck everybody's out there doing what we're supposed to be doing and we're not that sucks but all of us to go home you know like every single band on the planet had to go home
0: um kind of speaking to that a little bit you know you were so far away from home and you know touring as we had talked about previously with your soon-to-be wife you know i'm sure a lot of people worry about you as is you know being on the road you know accidents can happen and so on and so forth but you know having basically an a national or international level of security based on a, a, a pandemic. How was you know reaction from? I would assume your parents are texting you. I would assume you you know obviously your fiance is probably in contact with you. You know is was there concern for your health, uh, staying out and trying to still play these shows, or you know what was that kind of like for you? Uh,
4: yeah, I mean everybody was definitely worried to some extent. Um, I think I think we kind of got back before it became. Like the biggest possible worry. Like we thought. Like it felt bad, and like everybody was worrying while we were out. But I feel like it's still just like continuing to get worse, which is unfortunate. Um. But yeah, I mean, everybody was worried. I I kind of have this thing where when well, something's out of my control, I kind of just don't think about it and don't worry about it because I can't do anything about it. And maybe that's naive and kind of like a stupid way to think. But a lot of the days that we were playing, I'm like, well. I'm going to play this show no matter what. And if this is a concern, I can't do anything about it because I know I'm playing the show. So it is what it is, you know? So I personally didn't have much of a worry and maybe that's to a fault of my own because I kind of, like I've, I've been less social, but I still haven't like hold myself up a hundred percent. Like I haven't quarantined myself, you know? Um, I, I am still in New Jersey because of the fact that my, my fiance wanted to see, if I would say like see any symptoms because we're we're pretty close with her dad because he lives far like close to us. Um sorry. He does not live very far from us and just he's got some health issues. So he wanted to make sure that I wasn't gonna get him sick right away, you know? Um Right. So I'm still in New Jersey and I'm actually supposed to go back tomorrow, but uh because I'm kind of an idiot I went out with a group of friends last night and it didn't even occur to me like, Oh, the whole reason I'm here is to not be out with people as much. Uh, So I might end up staying here a few more days, but I don't know, still kind of playing that by ear, just waiting to see. I mean, I've got to get back before the whole country is locked down. So I'm still playing that by ear. Um, But yeah, I mean, there's, there's worry for everybody, I guess not as much for me about myself. I don't know if that makes me dumb or not, but I was just kind of like, I can't, I can't do anything about this. So I'm going to do my best to be like clean and not fucking cough on people or stay away from people. But yeah, I didn't, I didn't go into like full freak out mode as far as like while we were playing shows, you know?
0: Yeah. And it was kind of interesting too talking with JB, also a guitar player. It was, I was like, Oh, did you notice that you guys were doing anything differently in your day to day, even in, in prep of, you know, setting up your gear or whatever, like making sure, like you know, an extra stagehand is coming to help you load up something. You're like, yep, no, please don't touch it. Just the sheer minimum number of people who need to touch all <laughs> of our stuff is, is how we need to be operating currently.
4: Yeah, the uh, the most that I think I did personally, when I, I mean, I was like definitely washing my hands more. Like all of us had hand sanitizer that we were using all throughout the day. Uh, but it was funny. I like caught myself doing it in Texas and I, I like spit water a lot. And I mean, Vincent's always like, putting the mug out to people and throwing water, this and that. And I like spit water out and I was like, wait, this is probably a bad idea for this time period. <laughs> and after that, I was like, I'm not gonna spit water anymore. And even at the Jane reaction show, there was like the big horseshoe in front of us. And Vincent was like, before we started, he's like, don't worry, we're not gonna spit. And we're not going to be throwing water. <laughs> so you guys will be more safe. So come up closer. because <laughs> I think people genuinely were like, oh, wait, these guys spit a lot. So let's not be as close as should be.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of as, as we're wrapping up, um, I mean, you dropped uh, D&E. Uh, e came out basically right after you guys got home, uh, I think anyway, based on, like I said, following on socials. It seemed like as soon as you were home, E dropped basically.
4: Yeah, it just dropped uh, two days ago. I don't even know what day of the week. It is. Yeah, I
0: think it was Friday. Yeah, today's uh, Saturday. Saturday. Yeah, it's about Friday. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it sucks. Someone already found it. it the, the whole thing's going to be called Devin. I already saw it.
4: <laughs> that is my favorite guess. <laughs> Absolute favorite guess.
0: <laughs> that was pretty funny. I think at this point, uh, you guys should uh, should run with a line of shirts for Devin in order to have them make those uh, a guitar pick or something.
4: Oh, dude, yeah. I would, I would love for that. I would wear that shit daily. <laughs> Just Devin's face
0: on. Huh? Maybe it'll... <laughs> um. So, I mean, you know, uh, last time we talked, uh, It Comes in Waves was just out. Uh, we did a pre and post uh, of that record dropping. Mm-hmm. Now, at this point, like I said, you you basically have where I'm from. You have Delaware, uh, D&E, uh, <laughs> that are out now. And, uh, again, uh, it seems like the reaction is pretty overwhelmingly positive. Um and an interesting way that you've been uh, dropping whatever this, this series is going (laughs) to be. So how have you enjoyed uh, the reaction to that? And have you been playing anything, the four songs that you have out from these, have you been playing any of those live at this point?
4: Uh, Yeah, we were doing um, both songs off of D we did seeing God and feed a pigeon uh, on the tour before, obviously we had to go home. Uh, I think the plan was to add, like take maybe one of the D songs out of the set list and put one of the E ones into it. But I mean, obviously we can get a chance to do that, but yeah, the uh, the reaction has been pretty overwhelmingly positive and it makes me very happy. (laughs) Uh, I think it was, I, I, I don't know. I have, I'm very like, I have a lot of personal connection to both of these records just because it's like it comes away and this were my first contributions as a writer and I did a lot on both. So for me to just like think back to the writing process of some of the, these tunes and being like, fuck, I think these are sick, but you never know what people are going to think. And to see them being enjoyed, like the coolest thing was when we, like, I mean, I'm rambling now, but when we were in uh, Long Island, the second day of the tour, which was literally two days after D was put out, we were playing Feed a Pigeon and having the whole venue like doing the chanting. It feels like hell. And that was a song that I wrote. So I was just like, holy shit like this is a day and a half old and everybody here is singing along with a new song, from a band that's been around forever, which is very hard to have a positive reaction live for new stuff for an old band. Um, yeah, it's been fucking awesome. And I'm really happy to keep, keep putting more things out whenever that may happen and whatever the record may spell out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, in this downtime, I mean, with as much content as it seems like, and as much writing as the band has been doing in such a short amount of time, do you envision that you're gonna start working on something else uh, for a future whatever, uh, and just utilize the time you have, or is this time basically gonna be crunch time for for wedding stuff? I guess now that you're home to plan it.
4: Uh, we have most of the wedding stuff planned out. Um, like almost the entire thing has deposits on everything, so that's pretty easy for us at the moment. Um, but yeah, I'm taking this downtime to make a tab book for it comes in wave content waves which i'm almost done with uh and i'm gonna do one for the upcoming release too and yeah other than that i mean i'm definitely gonna be i have a ton of ideas for like the next acacia strain thing which is awesome because the current one is not even fully out but i've got that i have i'm gonna try and get a couple of new phantom pain songs in the works so that we could put out a couple of new songs because it's been almost it's been three years since we put out our demo you know it's just like a fun thing want to put that out. I have a band with uh, some of the guys from Joy. I don't know if you know that band. They're a band from North Carolina. They're all good friends of mine. It's like a rock band that we're doing. And then me, Griffin, Mike, and Taylor from Chamber, and then Zach from Left Behind (laughs) have a uh, little super group that everybody keeps calling it in the works that we're making. So we get to write for that, which I'm really excited to do.
0: And – I couldn't help but see everyone shitting on the dude from Trapped <laughs> <laughs> these <laughs> like, last dude. few
4: days. <laughs> That's my, it's my new, I, I love public meltdowns so much. It's just, it's a terrible thing to enjoy watching people just losing it, but I do, and I, I am fully there for the Trapped meltdown.
0: <laughs> I think what was funny is, uh, it was Matt Dice, uh, right before I called you, He's like, top five breakdowns, uh, <laughs> one was, like, Meshuggah, New Millennium, Cyanide, Christ, uh, Dillinger, Skate Plan, 43% burnt, uh, Casey Strain, Hills Have Eyes, and he goes, trapped, uh, the Twitter, <laughs> Twitter thing or whatever, 2020, and I was like, Jesus Christ, that's oh, so funny.
4: I love that, I love Matt, too, he's the man, so that's, it makes me even happier that he's the one who said that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um... I you know uh this is where I always have you know plug socials and so forth but um you know what is what is this this past week or so uh taught you that maybe you've taken away and learned uh that you hadn't really been aware of previously before we have you do that
4: um on a surface level it taught me that I can actually use guitar pro very well to tab out records uh, <laughs> that that's just like the uh the surface level thing um I don't know I think it's honestly taught me that i should probably take some of this more seriously than i have uh because for the longest time i was like wow this is really blown out of proportion and then within the past couple of days i'm like okay yeah maybe i should actually care about what's happening in the world and focus a little more on social distancing than i was so maybe i'm maybe i'm not the best person to ask about my seriousness level but I learned that I should take it more serious (laughs) over the past couple days.
0: I think we've all kind of come to that conclusion, I think. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, where can everyone find you and the band online?
4: Uh, The band, at the Acacia Strain on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook, whatever. Uh, And my personal Twitter is at Smith underscore W-A-V, and my Instagram is... um, P. Smith
0: 678 and uh want to say thanks uh seemingly like always uh for doing this so last minute um <laughs> i don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing you gave me your number a while ago to where i can just be like hey i have this idea let's do this
4: oh i don't i don't mind at all i enjoy our chats <laughs>
0: Yeah. Um, well, hopefully we'll see you guys soonish. Uh Looking forward to seeing uh, what the rest of this this series of 7 Inches or whatever is going to be. Uh, I know that you seemingly have a good time of picking them of when they're released, because I can at least afford to buy them at $7 a pop. Uh, I actually just got my It Comes in Waves vinyl in the mail the other day, so um, I think I only have to wait another three months before I get these 7 Inches.
4: Dude, okay, so... One quick sidebar on that. It's so funny that you say that with like the, you just got your, it comes in waves when everything else is dropping. At one point we had so much shit to post that we knew was coming out that I got overwhelmed and I just didn't post any of it. (laughs) Like literally this week it was like, (laughs) Oh, okay. We have all these things for like the online merch sale from the tour. And then we have this new merch dropping and we've got uh, the second pressing of it comes in waves and that whole bundle. And then I knew that E was coming out and we had a bunch of shit for that. And I was just like, my emails were going crazy. Our group chat was going crazy. And I was just like, you know what? I'm just I'm not going to post any of it. <laughs> I can't. I'm going to fuck something up. So I'm just not going to post anything. <laughs> 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 but I appreciate uh, everybody who's been buying the shit out of stuff and supporting us. So that's it's going to help for sure make the tour getting canceled a bit lighter on all of us. And it'll definitely be beneficial. So I can't thank everybody who's who's ordered merch or sent us things more like i yeah it was uh okay that's something i learned i learned that our fans are actually really really sick like i knew that our fans were cool but they actually care about us and believe in us as people past just the band so that's a good lesson that i learned
0: (laughs) (laughs) absolutely well thank you again and we'll uh hopefully see you soon
4: yeah hope i hope so thank you